Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello, wine friends, and welcome back to another episode of my mini-series on South Africa. And I am taking us to Bot River. This is a region that many people have overlooked, but it is growing. It is so worth exploring, an incredible place to visit. And if you are visiting, Luddite Winery is where you want to go. Now, I'm talking with Alice, who is now taking the reins of the winemaking after her dad, Niels. Her creativity, her energy is really inspiring, and you're going to hear it here today on the podcast. They are very much about hands-off and minimal intervention. So that is going to be the big focus on this podcast. And of course, you're going to understand the region much better by the end. So I hope you enjoy getting to know their Shiraz, their Shenin and their style. Enjoy the episode. Alice, I want to start this recording with everybody listening and discovering what is the reason for why the winery is called Luddite. You keep on saying to me as well, oh, I'm such a Luddite. (laughs) What does it mean? So, uh, unfortunately, but maybe fortunately, my parents chose the name. I think if I had to go back and choose it myself, I would definitely say I want to be a Luddite. It's um, (laughs) chosen because the Luddites were a group of people in the Industrial Revolution who were anti-machinery. And I guess I keep joking now. I've never had a laptop in my life. My my phone does everything for me. And no, never. (laughs) I want to be as simple, as minimal as possible. And uh, I think I get sometimes get frustrated with these phones and stuff. So I jokingly say I'm a Luddite. So when you're a Luddite, you're anti-technology. And when we called our farm Luddite, it was because we wanted to be minimal intervention. We wanted to farm well, have good grapes. And that means good wine, you know, keep it as simple as possible. And then going into the cellar, just be as hands-on. And like I've said to my dad, who thinks it's a bit wishy-washy, but I think you can test love in our in our wine. There's all that effort. <laughs> okay, Alice, you promised him you weren't going to say love on the podcast. <laughs> I'm saying it. You told me this before we recorded. No, I have to say it. <laughs> I had to say it. It's part of me now. And, and also, I, I've worked in some big cellars, and so has my dad before I, before I joined Luddite. And you get to see all these crazy things people do, adding alcohol, removing alcohol, adding tannin. I mean, there's you can do whatever you want. And we just said we, also, we don't want to do that in a cellar. We want to promise there's grapes in the bottle. And uh, lastly, mm. I think it's our in, um, importance to employ people. And I think it's going to be a worldwide thing with all the crazy robots and whatnot going on. <laughs> That's the Luddite story. Absolutely. It's a beautiful philosophy. So how did you specifically get into wine? You've said you've worked in bigger cellars, bigger wineries. So what's your story? Yeah, I would say definitely no pressure from both parents. But I, I did grow up in wineries. We moved to uh, Botrava in 1995. And my dad was the winemaker at Beaumont. Yes, which of course is iconic, right? Yeah, there's some photos of me as a little baby pulling wine pipes and making wine. So I think maybe it was always in the back of my head. But I studied chefing, actually. 
And I, I think do. wine and food goes hand in hand. Yes, of course. Yeah, and I and I realized, you know, I don't want to do the the kitchen stuff. So I did the WSET and I asked to join the seller in 2016, 2017. And mm-hmm. we, we were full. We had two interns. So my dad said, well, go out and figure it out on your own. See if you really want to do this. So I worked in some <laughs> wine bars. And I just really loved the spirit and the happiness of people in South Africa. Everyone, the wine industry is great. Everyone's so helpful and willing to teach you. You know, I think you're always learning. And I really love that. So I joined the next year and I did my first harvest. And yeah, I think I've never looked back, I guess. And then I did five or six years of Northern and Southern Hemisphere harvest just to gain as much experience as possible. Um, yeah, and then 2020, I decided I'm going to commit to Luddite and and yeah. That's the, that was the plan, really. <laughs> so in the Northern Hemisphere, what was your most favorite winery that you worked at? Am I allowed to ask um, you a favorite? I think I'm one of the only, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm the only one who has very weird harvests. I worked in countries <laughs> where I didn't see an English person or really weird hours. But I would say my last harvest, I, I can't hate on Bordeaux, but I would say I'm more of a Shiraz person. But I worked in Saint-Emilion okay. at a place called Chateau Trianon. And it was a female winemaker, so Alize, so similar name to me. I think people call me Alize as well there. Okay. And I felt like I was really in charge and I got a lot of confidence from that harvest. And I think coming home after that year, I was like, I actually can really do this and I know what I'm doing and I can do it on my own. And I, I think since then I was like, you, you can go, dad, go do what you want. I can, I can take on the harvest by myself. So <laughs> that was really a nice confidence builder. But he hasn't gone, has he? Yeah, he's, he's retracted a lot this year, but he's still around. <laughs> We're still a good team. Well, we have to mention your dad. Definitely. Because I sadly did not meet him. I was lucky enough to meet you and you were fabulous. But Niels, your dad, definitely a character. How do, how would you describe yeah. your dad to anyone who hasn't seen a picture of him, hasn't spoken to him? <laughs> I think, sure. So definitely a big guy, big personality, but gentle. So he looks and, and character mm. maybe opposite a bit, like a gentle giant. Um, yeah. And I was thinking when I read, I was thinking about him earlier, sometimes when I first started, there were these really late, not super late nights, we, we still want to have, have our staff to have a life, but you're so tired and it's super hot. And he would always say to me, you have one chance to make wine. And it's something that I say to myself <laughs> every day in a harvest when I want to go home early or I don't want to do that punch down. I'm like, you have one chance to do it. And I guess it's like that, uh, I don't know what singer sings that song, but. Isn't it Eight Miles? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think it's him. <laughs> it's Eminem. Yes, okay, it's Eminem. <laughs> you have one chance. <laughs> and, I, and it just reminds me of he's really motivated and, and super passionate in the cellar. So when I look at him and the taste the wines, uh, and I just think that's something that reminds me of him, just his big energy and, and love for what he's doing. Other people ask if if I'm going to be the same or whatnot, and definitely not. I'm, I'm going to be Alice and the wine's going to be different. You can already taste difference in the wine. I think the vintage of Shiraz and Shannon we're tasting, uh, it's definitely me being in the cellar. So I'm going to make the best wine I can make, but definitely he was my teacher and I've definitely got his philosophies and his, his styles. And I think you should be as passionate and motivated. Yeah. Love that. Well, then what have you taught him? Or what are you bringing to the winery now? You're saying that the wines that we're going to taste are slightly different. So what is that? 
Yeah, I asked him this earlier and he said something about an attitude and I was like, attitude, what? <laughs> I like that. And they called me attitude the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, no, you are very focused and switched on and you know what you're doing and you're really organized. And I love that you, this is, I'm quoting him. And he said, he loves that I always ask questions. Why? How? What are we doing? So it makes him think. So I think in a way, when we're making the wines, you get so used to running around the cellar doing the same thing since I've joined me asking him, why are you doing that? How are you doing that? No, don't do that. It's, it makes you sit <laughs> and, and really put concentration in the wine. So I think it's more um, more confidence maybe in the wine or more time mm. to perfect them, more perfection in the wine. Perfection, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> well, our perfection. I love it. So what do you enjoy doing the most in the cellar? Very tricky question. <laughs> I love all parts of the cellar. I mean, some days there's things I don't want to do. I guess really getting the grapes in or, or picking the grapes, getting them in and, and tasting the fruits and then doing all the processes and tasting it as wine, the finished product, seeing the process go through is really fun. I would say in harvest time, my fa- definitely my favorite thing is to jump inside a tank and dig out the tank. I think all our staff love me for that. Yes. <laughs> no one wants to climb in the tank. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah plenty. Yeah. Oh, dear. So okay. I, think, uh, I think no one wants to jump in the tank. So everyone's super happy. That's like, my favorite thing to do. And I think it's like <laughs> you climb in this tank and you just dig it all out and press the wine. And I, I don't know why, but that's quite exciting for me. <laughs> It's like the hard work is kind of done. I have never gone inside a tank and cleaned it out. And I don't have claustrophobia. And I would absolutely love to do it once. I don't know about twice. Yeah, you need to. But I really, I think, yeah, well, I think it's that (laughs) point, you know, you drink wine. Oh, you swirl a glass. Oh, look at me. Look how elegant and sophisticated Mm. I am. Ooh la la la. No, (laughs) I want to put on some wellies. I want to get wine all over my skin. I just want to feel it. And, you know, and it's, and it is, it's hard when you move grape skins as well, when there's not the juice there, you know, it's a workout. So, um, yeah, I'll come do that next year for you. Thank you. You're more than welcome to. Actually, no, you're, you're not going to let me, are you? You love it so much. (laughs) I I don't, yeah, I've had to let someone in the tank before. (laughs) One tank, okay. But I uh, was timed at, I was timed at digging out tanks in France. She used to jump in and be like, the clock's going, see how fast you can do this. And I was and, like, wow, and, okay. <laughs> and how fast can you do it? I can't remember, but I didn't beat ah. her, but I was pretty fast. Okay. So, I, right. I mean, we, we've really relaxed at Luddites. You, we can't go faster than the pump. So it's just a nice, gentle <laughs> pushing out the grapes. <laughs> and you've got to have fun while you're doing it. So Absolutely. Zero pressure. I love that. Oh, dearie me. So yeah. this is a very small winery for everybody to realize. We are not talking big business. Um, and so what yeah. is the hardest thing making wine in such a small winery and also Bot River as a region is is pretty small have you found there's been challenges there no I think opposite I think it's actually really nice to be in a a small winery especially in a small area you can call up your neighbors I mean we share things with Beaumont and we taste each other's wines there's a lot of sharing knowledge so I think being in a small area really great being in a small cellar no we probably want more wine we want more Shiraz and Shannon (laughs) <laughs> it's definitely, I make a barrel of wine and I would say the challenge of that is you can, if you're blending, you can taste 
any percentage really changes the wine. So you can't get you can't really get away with any mistakes as you would with a bigger mm. blend. Mm. And it's kind of a pain, the paperwork for 300 bottles. But other than that, <laughs> not really any challenges. I would say it's really nice. Uh, I've just come back from Germany and been in a tasting room that had like 20 wines. And we were laughing because they have one block and they make like a early pick Riesling, a late pick Riesling, a late, late pick Riesling, a later pick Riesling. And me and my what? dad were saying, we're just going <laughs> to irritate people and make like Shannon from Luddite row one, Shannon from Luddite row <laughs> two plus one in it. And we were like, no, we're keeping it simple. So small is good. Well, actually, obviously we'll be tasting the 2021 Shannon and there were 1,900 yeah. bottles of this wine, which is awesome. Are you writing that by hand on the label? Because it looks like literally a marker pen has written what bottle number it is of the 1,900. Is that done by just a marker pen by hand? Yeah, it is a marker pen. It's not my handwriting. I wrote on, if you get a really badly signed bottle, it is my handwriting. So I got fired from that. <laughs> so it adds character, but it's my mum writes it. So the idea, not all at once. She doesn't, it's to order, but she wants to be the person who holds the wine bottle last before it goes out. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, for everybody. So she's had to do that 1,900 times for the Shannon. And then I have the Shiraz 2018 and she had to do it 6,680 times. That's awesome. Love it. (laughs) You can see when you have a little wobble, you can see some of the, (laughs) there's a few vintages where you're not focusing and you've written backwards numbers and things like that. So that's also uh, quite special if you get one of those. That's when when you guys have had a few drinks at the end of the day. Yeah, or Perhaps. starting early days in Luddite and you have your three kids who keep trying to call you and you're trying to write on the bottles. <laughs> oh, God, that's, and, um, you know, and I met your mum and that was fantastic. And actually as well, for anyone, you drive up this, it's like, you know, just you going in, you're in the middle of nowhere. There's all these rolling hills and you just kind of go up this path and you're like, are we here? And I remember there were some workers that were just on the road, on the road going into your winery and they just stopped and smiled and waved and straight away you're like, okay, this is lovely and then you enter that's good to uh, hear (laughs) yes there you go I wish I could tell you who Uh, no promotions today unfortunately and and then we entered and then all these dogs come running out and just want to be stroked and everything and your mum comes you know bouncing out hey and quick chat and then she hands me over to you because she's off and it was just it was lovely so actually the the first thing that I noticed was this incredible sense of family and community completely. And actually you have a very small team, don't you? So, I mean, can you just let everyone know a little bit more? Cause you'll be better than me explaining your, your ethos there. Yeah. I think you did a really good explanation. Oh, okay, Thank done. you. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, definitely, definitely small team. I think we want to be a small team so we can be a sort of a family. If there's a lot of work like harvest, when we, we handpick everything, then we would get someone in to help. But then otherwise we stay the small team and we want to be a family. And I think uh, it's definitely for me, if you treat your people well, they'll treat you well. Um, and we have coffee every Monday morning. We talk out, is there any issues? We want everyone to feel loved. And I think that's really important. And how many people are working? Am I, I feel like the number eight is coming. Did I just make that up? I don't yeah, know. it is eight, four guys okay. and four okay. girls. 
And um, one guy that's really amazing, uh, his name's Fussy. It's like fishy in, in English. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, he's really great. He was at another farm and someone sent us a message to say this guy's got so much potential. And he's really young. So he works with me in the cellar and oh, he's amazing. And his memory is amazing. I sometimes will send him a message and I'm like, did you do this? And he's like, oh, two days ago. And I'm like, oh, amazing, amazing. <laughs> You're really good. <laughs> oh, so, perfect. yeah, really. And I, for me, one of the best parts, I mean, this could tie up to another question, is harvest time. You're so tired. We don't have a forklift tipping grapes. We dig out everything by hand. And oh. the team efforts that I see and how everyone knows what they must do when we set up the whole process, you've got the lady that's got the rake, the lady holds the pipe, this guy does this, and you don't even have to say anything. We just go, one, two, three, go, and everyone goes. And they're smiling and laughing the whole time. It's, for me, really special because I've never had a harvest where I'm standing sweating in the heat and everyone is laughing and having a good time. So I think if I ever lose that, then, yeah, there's something, something wrong. Well, I can confirm that literally there is an energy <laughs> There is genuinely an energy in the air when you come up to your property. You can just feel it. And actually as well, it's not just that. You know that you don't take yourself too seriously. So I think I've taken a video <laughs> that you've got at the end of your rows, instead of just wooden posts, you've turned them into colourful pencils, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pencils. <laughs> lockdown projects oh is that was that when it was done for just for me you know you come and you're yeah. like okay <laughs> this is a winery that has energy you just know before you've even entered mm. so it's beautiful and um, now what I love Thank about you. coming to Bot River is that everybody knows about Stellenbosch people have heard about Franch Hook but Bot River is one of these places I I know about it's like oh okay and it's kind of there's there is that slightly more seems alternative interesting minimal intervention hands-off maybe more natural wine scene but people just don't really know much about bot river so can you tell everyone a little bit about this wine region and what makes it special yeah i mean bot river is definitely getting on the map i would say a few years ago especially when i we moved here no one really knew where bot river was you would just pass it going to hermanus so now when when people ask i, I kind of say it's around an hour from cape town and um, you've probably driven past it if you know where hermanus is and a lot more people are stopping over i mean it's grown a bit i think it's going to grow a lot more especially with everyone working more online but it's still that quiet little village. We've still got one restaurant that we all go to. It's a Portuguese restaurant in Botrava, but the best ah. Portuguese food by far. Oh, I did not go there. Oh, <laughs> and, I missed uh, out. You need to next time. It's very okay. popular. And then, yeah, I think all the, for me, it, there's a big sense of family in the community. We all know each other, and that's probably because it's so small. And for me, really, really beautiful. It's, I think... When did Beaumont start? I think 1800, it was a refreshment station. So Beaumont's been around for a long time. And then all these other wine farms started popping up because I think people realized Chenin Blanc and Shiraz works really well in Botrava. We're also really close to the sea. We're about 10 kilometers, our farm. So mm -hmm. we get that cooling influence. Uh, the only thing we wish Botrava had was more rain. <laughs> ah, but, mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, I've, lo I've loved growing up here. It's, it's a really beautiful, beautiful area. Yeah, because I remember driving from Bot River to Elgin and I think it's like just 20 minutes down the road. Elgin's like yeah, 20 minutes to, to the west, isn't it? Absolutely. So yeah, you yeah. are, you've got the cooling climate from the, the ocean. Do you 
consider yourself cool climate no we're not we're not cool climate (laughs) no we have cooling influences but i wouldn't say cool climate i think we're more a mediterranean continental it's uh cold winters and very warm summers we get a Mm -hmm. lot of um wind in the summer months as well so we've had to plant in a way that suits our our climate right so you get lots of sunshine yeah we've planted our vines that you get morning sunshine not afternoon sunshine we've also planted the rose so we get that wind breeze going through the vineyards and then at the being 10 kilometers from the ocean in the morning now we get that foggy mornings in winter and that's kind of a nice Mm. cooling influence as well i'm not sure what i'm talking about when i say our altitude or elevation i don't know if it's that high but we luddite is on a hill which kind of helps us a little bit but Mm. most challenging thing is we don't get rain i mean it will be pouring in himal naada which is not far from us it would be pouring in amanet and it's not pouring in botchava so that's that's the one thing we wish we had was more rain (laughs) you need to go out with buckets for us to manas yeah (laughs) and bring it back it's been an interesting harvest it's been not as hot as it usually is so um and then later like now may it's it's a beautiful 20 degrees day today so yeah the weather's been interesting (laughs) Mm, yeah i've heard that this harvest this year has been an interesting one you're not the only person to use the word interesting yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to describe it <laughs> yeah, exactly what are the what are the soils typically in in Bolt River so we are mostly clay and table mountain sandstone mm-hmm. and then we have a little bit of sandy soils on our shenan but predominantly mm-hmm. clay and that helps us because we dry land farming so no yes. irrigation on the Shiraz and Shenan. That's also why there's so little of it. Mm. But we've planted accordingly. We've planted drought-resistant rootstocks and we do things in the vineyard like mulching to, to keep water in. But uh, clay holds water. So that's also really, really great. And it gives us our richest style blood at Shiraz. <laughs> and I think I remember us talking because, of course, there's been many years of drought. And didn't you say that yeah. there were grapes that were like tiny tiny the tiniest berries yeah no our shiraz looks like peppercorns tiny so we're doing 20 in the drought years i think 17 to 19 is like doing a whole bunch in our shiraz which we it's not the style we're going for but just just because of the berry sizes they definitely don't get crushed Mm -hmm. so (laughs) i think that adds to the adds to the terroir i guess (laughs) yeah you and as you said you get real concentration so I just want yeah, to definitely. touch on minimal intervention because that's really, like you said, you're not using machinery, you're doing everything, you know, by hand, you don't want to add anything. So what has been the inspiration for that? Well, for me, it's to farm well, respect the land, respect your plants, and then they come into the cellar and they should be healthy. I think I've been very lucky well, we're very lucky, especially with dryland farming. We don't really have much disease. So we get healthy grapes in the cellar and then we don't need to do anything. Fermentations are great. We do natural fermentation so that the, the wine tastes like it's from Luddite. We definitely do use machines, but we do as much, like I still foot stomp a bin every year for fun. We still hand things. We do all manual punch downs. But our reason for being minimal intervention, I think I, I want to make wine, not all these things you can do. I think it wants, I want it to be healthy grapes that we made in the mm. It tastes like our land, and you and you drink it. I don't want you to complain that you're feeling sick or crazy from the wine we made. I guess that's that's from my side. Yeah, um, and actually, you you said like you can do uh, manual punch downs, and you're stomping on the grapes. How many bottles a year, roughly, are you making in total? 
We actually calculated this today. We are around 60,000. 60,000? So tiny. Yeah. So on the Shenin, it's around 2,000. The Luddite, we're around 6,000. And in the Sabotur, we buy in fruit, but from neighboring farms where we also trust mm-hmm. the farming process. Yeah. And that's, we we around just under 20,000 on each. So, wow. Yeah. But it, and it allows you, I guess, to look at those specific practices. So maybe I'm asking the same question again. You've already mentioned two foot stomping and, and manual punch downs. Mm-hmm. But are there any other specific practices or techniques that you really like to employ to be very much about minimal intervention? No, I mean, if I had to compare myself to working in other sailors, I think it's very basic. We pick the grapes, put them in this uh, crusher. It doesn't really work and we don't really want to fix it. <laughs> it sticks with the, with the farm. Don't believe in sorting tables. Uh, we don't have a sorted table. I, I think the grapes are great. And if there is a grape mm. that's not pretty, it's uh, complexity. Okay. Yeah, and we'll either go into a bin or, or a tank and we'll let it sit there. And when the grapes are ready to ferment, they will. And then we just do punch downs or pump overs and get all that gross lease and it goes into barrel. That's why our wines are a little bit reductive in the beginning. Okay. But yeah. Uh, we buttonage with a golf club as well. That always makes me what? laugh. That's not. <laughs> and I Why found not? we're not the only ones doing that. I think a few people are starting to realize it's quite a smart thing to do. Well, it's but, got a little uh, thing yeah, on the end, think... hasn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, it works. My dad would ask, what golf club? He He's an ex-golf professional. So, you know, I don't know. Is it an iron? Is it a... Yeah, I can't think what we use. I don't want to say the wrong one. Yeah, it must be. What, is it a putter? I think when this one gets old, <laughs> we're going to use a putter. We should use one of those but it's not a putter it's a three or something oh, yeah what they called a, one a of those. three wedge I, my god he'll kill me he'll be he'll listen to this like for one, goodness yeah. sake no i don't know. know i'm gonna embarrass myself <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it works it works as long as i call it a golf club and not a golf stick he's happy so there we go so moving on from that okay, before yeah, i get yeah. in more trouble with with my dad i hope but... i say golf club <laughs> yes golf club oh that's brilliant so now you said obviously that you're dry farming and of course we know that you're not spraying so but do you have issues with pests and diseases are you able to deal with that without relying on synthetic chemicals uh, yeah, we are. The way we farm is, my mom always jokes, biological. So if we have to do something, we will, but we'll do something under the organic guidelines. Mm-hmm. We have leaf roll, which is not really our fault. It's just disease vines that we've planted. I think a lot mm-hmm. of South Africa is covered with that. Okay. Um, so we're going to pull out vines slowly and replant our Shiraz. I think it's time they're about 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully, because we would love to look after older vines, we just need to have non-virus vines. But because yeah. of dryland farming, we have hardly any leaf coverage. So with lots of wind coming through, it's not really a, um, a space for humidity. So generally get downy or powdery in those conditions. But if we if we have to spray, we will follow a organic spray program. Yeah, so which you're allowed to spray um, sulfur, but we always... Mm-hmm call someone just to double check what we're doing but touchwood we've luckily and especially in our Shiraz never really had to do anything which is really great we are at the moment putting down compost and cover crops just to give the vines some love to so that they can have some more grapes we're down on a lot of uh, crop this year so mm. um, we definitely think that's it's definitely water and now we're getting lots of rain but we're just giving the soil some love and the vine some love now with with doing those practices and yeah hopefully we get more grapes next year 
Just to finish off on the technologies or the use of temperature control, you know, nowadays there we can be so much with with modern winemaking, we can have so much of these controls. I think you do have still temperature controlled tanks, don't you? Yeah, we, we do for our Shiraz, yeah. And then you've got obviously lovely barrels. And I just want, I'm jumping ahead now, but I just really want to talk about what's in the winery. The same way that you use a golf club to do batonage and Lee stir. <laughs> I was fascinated when you took me down to the winery and we tasted from two barrels, the same Chenin Blanc, one just simply in barrel. And the other one, you had put some stones in there. Or were they rocks? Rocks or stones? Uh, well, they were amphora pebbles. <laughs> and they were, neither, neither, actually, yeah. Yelena. Yes, amphora yeah, pebbles. amphora pebbles. <laughs> and tell me about this, because the difference in texture and the minerality and the fruit concentration was so different, and I much preferred the barrel with the amphora pebbles. So this was your idea, right? Yeah, I think we we always have this, I mean, it's not just an our cellar. everyone always loses so much wine to topping up. And if you really want to irritate yourself, you do the maths and see how much wine you lose per month. Oh God, and I think yeah. It was years ago, I said to my dad, why don't we put rocks, clean rocks, put them in the barrel, and then we don't lose topping wine. And he was like, no way, don't talk to me about this. And how do you get the pebbles out? <laughs> And then we were sitting at an amphora tasting together and I said, we were just talking about if we agree with amphora or not. And I said to him, why don't, because we're both a little bit obtuse, I said, instead of putting wine in the amphora, let's put the amphora in the wine. And he loved the idea. So he called up the guy in, in Cape Town who's making the amphoras. He thought we were crazy. And we said, can we, can you make us pebbles? And yeah, he did. So we threw them in the barrel going, we don't know what we're doing. We hope we don't lose wine. So I sacrificed my barrel of Shannon. And yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it definitely filters the wine in a way, naturally filters it. I think it also removes a little bit of acidity. So there's more of a mouthfeel to the wine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we are going to do it again this year. I keep forgetting, but I'm going to put it in a barrel of Senso and, and see what happens. Okay, and interesting. Yeah. And it definitely saves a little bit of topping up wine. There you go. There we go. Resourceful and giving flavor. Now we're talking yeah. Shenin, so I think it's time that I taste the Shenin 2021. This though would not have seen any of your amphora pebbles in a barrel, right? No, no, it wouldn't no. have. No, no. Okay. Fine. So that will be <laughs> from the 2022 vintage, the one after this. Yes, 2022. Okay. And it's just one barrel that we did it in. Uh, but my uh, wine that I made on, make on the side that is in the UK, that, that was completely pebbles, the whole barrel had. And Ooh, it's only one which, barrel of wine. So Which which wine is that? It's a Shannon. It's under Ali in Wonderland. And the rock oh. guys, Sebastian and Matt, bring it in. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is, is it just so available it, in the UK? Uh, available in Hong Kong in South Africa. Okay, there we go. No, no, no. Well, it's sold out now. So. Ah. <laughs> ah, okay, everyone, just you know, Can't just be aware. It. All right, okay, fine. Buy it in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the Shenin 2021. I'm drinking bottle number 756 out of the 1,900. Okay. And I like lo- this is really interesting. This is far more savoury than. I expected a slight nuttiness. Can you talk about how you went about making this 2021 vintage? 
Yeah, of course. So, um, like I was saying, the dryland farming, so really small berries, lots of fruit concentration. I think something you taste in the Shannon as well is that really nice saltiness, that salinity. Yeah, on the finish. Mm. So, yeah, and we, we pick our Shannon Blanc quite early. We're lucky, especially this year, everyone complaining about the rain. We had finished harvesting <laughs> all most of our stuff. So we pick <laughs> uh, for that acidity. And the Shannon is more about structure and texture to us. So mm. pick it, hand pick. It goes into open bin fermenters, so uh, no cooling, and it's on skin for 21 days. And then we do morning and afternoon punch downs just to basically yeah. wet the cap, push the skins down, give it some texture, give it some tannin. And then we wrap up the bin and close it and just forget about it. And then my dad always jokes with me, if once you start feeling like you can't sleep anymore, then it's time to look at the Shannon. And it's definitely a thing <laughs> because it happened to me this year going... I actually had a little nightmare about Shannon grapes. Let's let's press the Shannon. Oh my <laughs> so God. we press it directly into barrel with as much sediment as possible. And that allows the wine to fill out as well, give it more mouthfeel. Mm. And, and then it gets batonaged once a month, also just fill out the wine. And then it sits in barrel for about a year before we blend it. Lovely. I think, you know, this is quite a complex. So whereas a lot of the Chenin Blancs I've been having, like from, say, Stellenbosch um, or, you know, Swartland, whatever, they're much more tropical. There's, there's a real fruitiness. Mm. This is a bit more structured it's savory like you said you touched on the saltiness there's a lot of for me yeah on the nose this kind of like dried apricot and a little bit of uh, baked apple and then it's it's slightly even even a little bit suggestive of yeastiness just a suggestion but good mouthfeel yeah. there's a weight there's definitely some spice mm. on the 21 yeah yeah like a ginger spice even um yeah I always, it's a very rare fruit and I, I've actually bought myself a tree because it's just a memory of mine. I, I worked at a, a cellar that had a kumquat tree outside and I used to eat Ooh, them mm-hmm. and you eat it whole without, with a skin and everything. And yeah. now Shannon reminds me of that because it's got this pithiness and then it's got a mm-hmm, sweet and mm-hmm. sour. So it's like a journey of eating a kumquat to me. It's a memory and that's what our Shannon always reminds me of. Yes, so. I understand. There's a, a ripeness mm-hmm. of fruit, but a savory saltiness. So absolutely sweet and mm-hmm. sour. Yeah, good acidity in this. This is lovely. So for anybody, again, who doesn't like wines that are too aromatic or too tropical and they want a little bit of structure, but this still has a a lean nature to it. It's not overly creamy. It has a nice texture and mouthfeel. It has a little bit of that skin tannins, but not not like a... a, I know you've left it on the skin. It's not like an orange wine or anything like that. But this just, again, is a suggestion. No, it's a... Yeah, orange wine without being orange. (laughs) Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, not to scare anybody off. It's more just a suggestion of texture that's just left on your tongue. Um, This is amazing. It's lovely and, 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 and quite unique. So I've really enjoyed it. This is for anybody well I think we've just gone on to the 2021 vintage because I can't find it online in the UK but it for the 2020 okay. vintage Buon Vino is doing it for 44 pounds and North South Wines everybody who just oh my god I don't know they just, just upset the whole industry by selling things ridiculously cheap so this is not what it's worth but you can get it at an absolute bargain okay. if you buy a case of six you can get it for 32 pounds 66 so there you go Alice when you come to the oh, UK wow, next I'm week, go you can buy, buy it. it all back yeah <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. Buy it back oh, and resell yes. it. Well, exactly. There you go. Make a business. Anyway, so this is about £44. So everybody soon, I think that we will be on to the 2021 vintage, I imagine, across the UK. And I imagine already in South Africa. 
it's 2021 for everyone who's listening in South Africa, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, we're in 2022. <laughs> oh my God, already. Okay, so ahead everybody. Of you. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. there you go. I'm right. Right now, we're drinking the wine in the middle. There we go. So let's talk about the Shiraz, which, oh my God, Shiraz, you, oh, in. I'm, I'm smelling it now. It is, it's inky, it's intense, it's bold, it's bursting with fruit. And that's because of the peppercorn, yeah. the peppercorn grapes, right? Yeah, I mean, that skin to juice ratio is very, very small. So there's that yes. intensity, that's a lovely um, tannin structure you're going to get, there's fine tannins. Ugh. Yeah, 2018 is beautiful wine. It smells so intense and so beautiful. So this is the 2018 I'm drinking, not that anybody actually cares, but I care. I'm drinking bottle number. <laughs> I really care about the numbers. No, it's Five, good to hear. Right. I'm drinking, you can tell your mom I'm drinking bottle number 5,433 out of 6,680. Okay. So, yeah, um, cool. and yeah, oh my God, the nose, cassis, dark plum, Dark chocolate, tar, licorice. There's a oh, suggestion of c- c- like cigar box. I haven't even um, I haven't drunk this yet. Whilst I'm drinking this, yeah. can you tell me about the Shiraz and how you make it? Yeah, so this is definitely a year of the drought. So so touching on that small berry fruit concentration planted in clay soil, so we get that nice intense flavors. We have two blocks of Shiraz, uh, and this year we pick them all at once, mm-hmm. and it was um, mostly fermented in a tank. And then we take a little bit, I think about uh, one ton, and we put it in open fermenters because we've been trying to play with stalk fermentations just to see if it adds some freshness to the wine. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the bins get punched downs morning and afternoon, but they'll be on skins a little bit um, less. So it's just a different component to add when blending. And then mm-hmm. the tank portion is cold fermented or cold soaked just to get some more color and tannin. And then when the fermentation kicks off, we switch off cooling and we just let the wine do its thing, be happy. And we do um, pump overs twice a day, also just to get color, tannin, texture. And now the wines stay on skins for quite a while, I would say about six weeks. They used to be on skins a bit longer, but I think that's a kind of a nicer, nicer place. And then we press it also with as much um, sediment as possible and it will go into old full barrels. We never want to mask any of the fruit and depending on the year, the, the bigness of the of the vintage will add a little bit of new oak. Um, so this specific vintage was 20% new oak and it's French barrels and then it was in barrels for two years and then we try and put the Shiraz in bottle for two years just to get all the components together, all the components to marry, and then we um, release it. And I think it's good to to release a Shiraz that's a bit aged. But I, I think there's so much going on, this lovely color, lovely tannin structure, and the wine can also go for 20 years comfortably. So You know, yes. And I, when I was with you, because you didn't have any of the current vintage you'd sold out at the time, I was drinking oh, 2010. Oh my God. And I'm yeah. looking right now, I'm just whilst you were talking, I pulled it up the note on my phone and I'd wrote mellow, restrained, super spicy, cooked, spiced lamb, smoke, burnt toast note. I mean, beautiful. It was, and oh, it wow. was yeah, yeah. Oh my God. And I remember it and it was still going strong and so concentrated. Whereas yeah, this. so pretty fresh. Yeah. Is drinking beautifully, but it's very much about the power. It's very much about the fruit, but you still have, it's rich, but it's also very serious because the tannins are dry, they're chewy. So it's not a fruit bomb in any 
anyway. It's just super, super powerful. But with this like nice, subtle suggestion of spice, which I think probably as the wine ages, it's going to get more of that kind of, I guess, what I was tasting, like the clove and the other kind of spices that were coming in. And the meatiness yeah. is probably going to develop with age. But gosh, if anyone could hold back these wines, <laughs> they will be rewarded. But yeah. they're, they're <laughs> so giving and delightful. Like this is a real Shiraz style, everyone, not Syrah. Yeah, Shiraz. <laughs> yeah, I think for us, when we're making the wines, don't want to make wines in a commercial state uh, where we want it to mm. be where you can drink the bottle, make wine to drink, not taste. So for me, white wines need that freshness, need that acidity. Um, and that's what I think we get with the Chenin. And, and, the, and they also ferment very dry. And the Shiraz, the ferment's really healthy. So the wine is fermenting super dry. So it leaves your palate refreshed and then you want more. So it's not like a tiresome, yes. overly sweet. You don't get lazy drinking the not wine, I guess, if I have to word it in that way. Totally yeah. agree. You should keep going back. <laughs> no, and this, like, that kind of cigar box that I'm getting, this, again, and the, the drying the tines, yeah. the, the, the savoury nature that kind of engulfs all of that, you know, fruit burst. It keeps everything in balance. It's And it's it, there is freshness still with the power. Love it. Um, for people wanting it in the UK, can't have my one. <laughs> Again, vintages. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Like, currently, would you believe the people selling are on 2017, it seems, online. So Vinum is selling okay. it for £42.65. Vinum normally does things quite well priced. But Buon Vino, who are doing both of your wines, are doing this for £49. But again, it's 2017. That's a brilliant vintage. Okay, there you go, everyone. You, you're not going to be cheated if you're going yeah. in 2017. There you go. If you chat to Niels about 2017, he says he'll go to war with that wine. So oh. it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I must meet your dad one day. Oh, my God. I think that he would be a perfect yeah. person to bring to a dinner party. Now, I want to, <laughs> yeah, I want to finish with a happy accident. Now, I very often ask winemakers about any happy accidents and many are not so happy <laughs> to talk about the happy accidents. But I was drinking a wine with you called Cool by the Pool. Brilliant names. Honestly, I, I am in love with you all. You're fantastic. So again, you don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> and it was brilliant. Could you tell everyone about this happy accident, please? Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, I think it's always been with all the lighter red wine styles going into the market. I think I've always wanted to try one. So maybe will we jokingly say danger juice? So something that you're not really <laughs> thinking about. You're just enjoying the wine. And I remember tasting this barrel and saying to my dad, should we make a pool wine? And I feel like I didn't even finish my sentence. And he was like, yes, let's do it. So maybe <laughs> in the back of his mind, he was also wanting to do it. But yeah, it was a really hot day in harvest and I was alone and I thought, oh, I can't remember how much tons can fit in these tanks. Let me just call and find out. So, so I was told, oh, the grape's probably not going to fit, but you can try. So I thought, yeah, let's just do this. Let's put all the Shiraz and Mouvad in. And four days later, when the fermentation started kicking off, the grapes just started coming out the top of the tank. So we drained one bar two barrels of Shiraz, one barrel of Mouvad, and into barrels, old barrels. And because it was on skins for four days, we jokingly said it's a Luddite a rosé. And then <laughs> a few months later, tasting out of barrel, it's, we're both like, it's really cool. It's really bright fruit. It's vibrant. It's got like cranberry sweet sour taste to it with that nice dark fruit and nice spice as well. So we bottled it um, as cool by the pool. And we said, definitely serve chilled. 
and it's our uh, summer wine. I love oh. Rosé. Yeah, absolutely. There was a 2022 vintage. Unfortunately, everybody, it may not be repeated. Potentially, I'm, I was pushing you, but I guess it was more a case no. of. I know. No, I didn't do it this things. harvest. Yeah. <laughs> I was very oh. attention to detail this year. <laughs> okay, but everyone, these things. I mean, it was beautiful. I I wrote what my what do my notes say? Elegant and poised. That there was just power and fruit explosions with this lightness but crunchy red berries and there's this laser-like style I put with still a little touch of earth herb and leaf mix to it I mean it's just brilliant your wines are fantastic everybody needs to drink these wines and then you have the saboteur wines as well like you said that you make that are slightly more affordable that come from your growers but made by yourself yeah so the amazing saboteur wines you can find in fact I'm looking online right now lots of people are doing it for about 23 pounds a few people 24 25 26 pounds yeah depending on the wine yeah even venom who seemed to the white blend they're doing it for 20 oh amazing there we go so everybody either go and check out the saboteur wines the lidite wines are obviously for a special occasion and very very special but um alice is there anything <laughs> else that you want people to know about you guys um, no, I can't think of on the spot, but <laughs> if you're in Botchava, please come and visit the farm. We would love to have you over and taste the wines and, and see what we're doing. And beautiful views of the of the village. And I would say they're generally golden hills, but now with all this rain, there's some beautiful green hills that we look okay. at. <laughs> golden hills or green hills, it's beautiful either way. Alice, yeah. thank you for being a champion. Thank you for pushing these wines to even more perfection. I cannot wait to continue to taste the the newer vintages where you've been 100% hands-on fully and see where Ludite wines go. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And I will uh, see you in the UK and hopefully we'll share a bottle. Yeah, that would be lovely. Lovely. Thank you so much. Keep spreading the love. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Take care. Oh, after listening, don't you all just want to be Luddites? <laughs> I would certainly love to just throw my laptop out of the window. However, that would mean no more podcasts for you guys. So I shall try and refrain. Now, I have a wine quote to finish off with. And this is an anonymous wine quote, but it reads, While nature perfects grapes, winemakers merely assist. And I think that one is quite a appropriate quote to finish off after listening all about the hands-off winemaking when it comes to these wines. Now, next week, we already mentioned Elgin in this episode. Elgin is the cool climate wine region that's just 20 minutes to the west of Bot River. So that is where we are going. And I am going to be talking with the winemaker, Andres of Paul Kluver. This is a winery that started everything there, the Pinot Noir and the Chardonnay. They were the first, the pioneers of this region. So do join me next week. If you are enjoying these podcasts, do make sure that you have liked the podcast, shared it with your wine loving friends. And the very, very best thing you can do is to leave a rating on Spotify and a review on Apple Podcasts. It makes everything more discoverable. Now, may you continue to expand the horizons of your knowledge, drink delicious wines, and I'll see you back here next Monday. Until then, cheers to you.